Namaskar and welcome to another episode of Ananda Marga DharmaCast. This is a podcast series which has been running for many years, but now we're doing the podcast on the audio, but also we're adding the video component too, so that it will be available on YouTube. So for today, I have something which might be a little bit longer than my normal format, but it's kind of an important topic. And maybe it's an amazing topic, but the topic is how to create a paradise on this earth. So you know that many people think of paradise as a um, place, you know, in heaven or some other place like that. Um, you know, that's, that's one idea that, that people have. You know, when you die, you will go to, if you're good, <laughs> you'll go to some wonderful place. Everything is, is really um, fine. Other people in the past have said, no, they've had this concept, what they call utopia. Utopia means the good society. So there were, there were people um, in the um, 1800s and even maybe before who used to go out into the countryside and start their own community. They were, you know, communes and they, they thought, well, we could, we could build the ideal society out there. And then later on, um, you know, the Marxists came. They said, no, 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 you need a scientific socialism, not, a, not this, you know, airy-fairy utopian socialism. And, we, and they said, we can build, you know, the, um, the ideal society, you know, where there won't be oppression and, and everything will be great. So those, those things didn't work out. The, the utopian socialist um, things didn't work out. Uh, the Marxist um, experiment, and colossal failure. And then even um, it touched even into, um, you know, the late 20th century uh, in the hippie movement in the U.S. I know because I was kind of part of that. So some people said, no, we'll, we'll go out in New Mexico. We'll put up a teepee and, you know, we'll have a great... I was with some people. They said, well, no, we're going to... We'll get a farm in Oregon, and we'll we'll set up the ideal society. But one thing um, in all of these quests, you know, that people had, whether it be the the first utopian socialists or this or the Marxist experiment, or even the hippie idealists, the thing which really um, is needed to create the, that paradise on the earth, and this was really, you'll see, is, is one of the defects why Marxism didn't work out is that you need the proper people to do it even if you had the even if you had the greatest economic or social structure but you don't you have dishonest people it will be um it will be torpedoed and there's a very good parable um it's called animal farm um i think it's george orwell wrote that uh, i get mixed up with always george orwell and aldous huxley i believe it's george orwell and it's a book called animal farm and then it's a parable of the defects of, of, of the communist experiment because animals take over a farm and they want to have um, you know, an equal society. And then amongst them, their, their um, leaders exploit the others and they become just like the humans that they kicked out of the farm. So, so this is a defect. So really, to create that paradise on the earth, you need... Basically, you need dharma. That's what um, the Bhagavad Gita and the Mahabharata is all about. You know, Krishna was fighting for dharma. But what is the essence of dharma? Dharma means to, to follow the true human spirit, the true human 
uh, characteristic, what we really are. But, but what is, how are we going to follow that? What does that mean? One of the, the fundaments of, of to live a dharmic life or a spiritual life or a noble life is to follow a code of conduct which in the yoga is called jama and niyama. Jama, Y-A-M-A, is one part. Now, one thing about the pronunciation of that word, I'm going to have to let it let you know this now, but when um, in Sanskrit, when a Y is in the beginning of a of a um, sentence or a word, it's pronounced like a J. So yoga is really yoga, and yama, which is um, the first part of this, is really jama. So, so I know that in English, you know, we have yoga, so it's going to be hard to change that. So anyway, this, I'll, I'll go halfway. Jama is Y-A-M-A, is the first part of the, the yogic and the dharmic concept of conduct. And it's really important to know. These things are important to know and to follow because when it's done, then we can um, create what has never been created before on this earth. So what is, what is jama? Jama sadhana... And also Yama or Jama was also the name of the Lord of Death in, in, um, in the Hindu mythology. But it's, what that means is control. We have to have certain kind of self-control. Self-control in relation to the society around us. So if we, it means we have to get in harmony with the whole society that we live in. So there are certain components of how to do this. And the first one is called Ahimsa. Ahimsa. That was made popular by um, Gandhi, you know, Mohandas Gandhi. Um, but what it means is it means to not harm others in thought, word, and deed. Not to inflict harm on others. So that we can go into a whole... I could spend the whole time debating what that is and when is, is, is a proper use of, of, you know, when is a himsa and when is it not a himsa. But basically it means we shouldn't create any unnecessary harm to those around us by uh, thought, word, and deed. Now, you can defend yourself. Anyway, that's, a, that's also another interpretation. But according to at least... Um, what my guru has taught me, Sri Sri Anandamurti, he said, you, you can defend yourself, you know, and certain things like that. And there's also a question of, of animal and plants and f- things like that. But we won't discuss that now. And maybe at another time, I'll go, we can do a whole segment on really what is ahimsa. But main thing you have to know now is we, you shouldn't create harm to others by your thought, word, and deed. Then the next component of jama, sadhana or yama control, self-control, is that we should use satya. Satya is a word that actually has no English equivalent. Satya means, sat means that supreme entity. So it means always um, to, it means eternal. Sat is actually eternal. So it means always to keep in in an eternal stance of Benevolence, benevolence, Bene- satya really means welfare. That's really the, this. though if you go out on the street in India and say, what is satya? They say it means truth. So 
It also means to speak the, um, the proper things, to speak the truth. But if your truth is going to harm somebody, and it can sometimes, if, if, if some criminal is coming looking for, for, for somebody and they ask, where is that guy? I say, you say, oh, well, he went away. That's it's not true, but it is satya, because you were, you were saying, you were doing, you were thinking, you were acting for benevolence. So really, um, when you think of satya, you should think of benevolence or benevolent truthfulness, to at least to keep the traditional um, idea of, of truthfulness, because that's important too. We should be, we should be straight up forward with one another. So when people are not injuring others and they're straight up forward and 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 thinking of the welfare of others, you see already the, the society is looking brighter if we had everybody was doing that. But there's more to it than that. There's another part called asteya. Asteya means not to steal, not to steal, not to take from others what what is doesn't belong to you. So we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that um, physically. We shouldn't plan to do it. You know, sometimes people um, um, think, oh yeah, I, I would take it, but then they look and they see the, the guard is there, someone's watching, I won't do it. So already in your mind you've, you've done, um, it's not as bad as taking it, but it's not so good. So we should banish that from our mind also. And then there's another kind of theft, which is indirect. It means that you didn't take anything, but you also didn't give what's supposed to give. Like you snuck on the bus or the train or something like that. So um, you didn't take anything, but you deprived um, somebody of, of something that was due to them. So, so that kind of um, theft also should be not. So, so you already see it's building up. That we live in a society where people um, are not hurting each other. They're, they're working for the welfare of others. Uh, they're not taking from one another. Then there's another concept, which is a really amazing concept. It's called brahmacharya. Now, brahmacharya um, has, there are narrow interpretations, which are actually um, not really even etymology. They're not, according to the meaning of the words, they're not correct. You know, so brahmacharya means to be attached to Brahma. To, it means to see God in everything. In other people, when we see God, that's why yogis go like this. We salute, we're saluting God in that human form. So that's that's what brahmacharya means: is to treat others and all the things of this world as an expression of God. Now, the the uh, misinterpretation, which at least according to my guru and and others who study this deeply, they say that no, you know, see, in the, the misinterpretation was that in the Middle Ages. The, the monks, you know, they said to the, the lay people, said, yeah, brahmacharya means um, celibacy. So think about that. So that means that only the monks um, can be celibate. Other people are inferior. It's, it's really a degrading kind of um, concept. So brahmacharya doesn't mean celibacy, but it means to treat other things as an expression of God. So this is what it means. And next, and also, if we add that to the list of what we've already described, that um, you see what kind of society you would create. And then, finally, in the in the jama section, um, is a parigraha, and a parigraha means not to take more than you need, not to take 
excessive luxuries. So, you know, there's a, each person has a need in this world. We need food, shelter, clothing, medical care, education. These are our necessities, our basic necessities. But when you start to get more, and, and if, you, if you pile up more and more, it does, there are two negative effects of that. And one negative effect of it is that it may deprive others. Because, you know, when there's excessive accumulation of wealth, and we see that in this world today, that sometimes it results in the deprivation of others. And that's not a good thing. But also, when, if you as an individual, if, if you acquire too much wealth, it affects your mind because you're meditating on, that, on, on all your wealth and, and has a tremendous negative effect, which I'm going to go when we go into the next section, but it, it prevents you from being content. And, and then you've lost everything. So people pile up wealth so that they can be secure and happy and all, all these good things, right? But then if, if it results in your, your permanent distress of mind, it's not a good thing. So, so accumulation, excessive accumulation, harmful for the society, harmful for the person. So refrain from it. So that's jama sadhana. If you follow these five, ahimsa satya, ahimsa not hurting, satya, benevolent truthfulness, asteya, not stealing, brahmacharya, treating others with respect like their god, and aparigraha, not taking too much. Um, you become in harmony. You'll be in harmony with those around you. So this is the, um, the beauty of, of, um, of this jama sadhana, of yama sadhana, if you want to will. So now in the next part, we get to say the, um, the why in the usual way. Because the next section is called niyama. Niyama. So what is niyama? It's also kind of a controlled conduct, but it's a controlled conduct which helps you to get in harmony with yourself. It's self-purification. So there are certain elements of that. How are you going to perfect yourself? How are you going to become a better person? So first one is called shaucha. Shaucha means cleanliness. But it means, you know, you've heard um, cleanliness is next to godliness. You've heard that. It's true. So cleanliness, in, if you keep your environment clean, your body clean, your clothing and everything clean, um, it has a very great effect on you and, and also people around you will appreciate it too. So, so, so that sort of physical component is important. But there's a psychic component also because sometimes our mind can be, um, you know, we look good outside, but the mind is thinking negative things and, you know, selfish things, bad thoughts, narrow thoughts, mean thoughts. So that also has to be um, cleaned out. So just like, you know, you wash your body with, with soap and all that. So, so how to wash the inside? The yogis have a, a way how to do that. But one simple way I can tell you right now is that when you have one of these thoughts that you know is it's not a great thought, like the birthday cake comes out and you look at it and you say, wow, I could eat that whole cake. <laughs> That's not a great thought. Because you know, you, imagine if you eat the whole cake, what about the other guys in the party? Not a good idea. So what you do, how to get rid of that thought, is you, you, you make it a point, I'm going to serve everybody before I take my cake. So that's one way how to um, um, kind of cleanse the interior. But the exterior and the interior, you have to be squeaky clean. I wrote a song about that. Um, 
you have to be squeaky clean inside and outside, but it'll have a great effect. Next one I alluded to before is called Santosha. And Santosha means, it means contentment of mind. Um, if you can keep your mind content, that's everything. So you go now, we, we can, you can do it, a social science experiment. You go to the richest neighborhood, um, you know, go up to Beverly Hills or Bel Air in California or some other, you know, fancy place. And you knock on the door, if they let you in the door, <laughs> but if you knock on the door and you say, are you happy? Are you content? And then this rich guy is going to say, you know, I got a lot of money, but it's in the stock market. I don't know. You know, I heard it's going down, it's going up, I don't know. And also thieves are coming. And so a lot of these people are not really content. And some of these people are workaholics. So rich people, um, they come home and they get out their laptop and they're still working and working and working because they're just not content. They need more, you know, because I could be losing it, all of it. So they don't have contentment of mind. And then there could be a very simple person and that person, he or she does his or her work, gets what they um, can get from it. They become a little bit satisfied with that, and they rest quietly. And then that person has less income, but maybe more contentment. And like I said in the previous section, if you grab too much stuff, that interferes with your the process of becoming content. So our job is be content. Um, you have to work as hard as you can, get what is due to you, but then you have to know how to rest. Knowing how to rest is really an important um, thing. I'm going to give I'll add one extra. In the animal kingdom, there are two um, examples of this principle at work, a bad example and a good example. So a bad example is the honey bee, that these, these creatures they work and work and work and work until, and they don't live very long until they die. They, they, never, they never stop. So that's a bad, bad. Don't be like the honeybee. Now, a good example in the animal kingdom is the dog. So anyone who's had a dog knows that all you have to do, you have to give them feeding, feed, feed them, give them a treat, pat them on the head. They, they become content very easily. Easily contented. So we should be like that, at least that, in that part, we should be in that, um, follow that example of contentment. And then another component of, um, of self-purification, basically becoming a better person, is called tapa. Tapa is an interesting concept. It means penance, to practice penance to reach the goal. So in the Middle Ages, the, um, some of the religious people had this thing where they, they would flagellate themselves, you know, and to get rid of their sins, you know, whip themselves. And that's not the way, this is not this kind of... And he, in this thing, tapa comes from Sanskrit, means to burn. So it means to burn the impurities of the mind. You know, but, but God will not take pleasure if you um, torture yourself to do this. So the best way to um, remove those impurities is to serve others, selfless service. So really, tapa means to take upon yourself the burdens of others. So instead of, because we're always thinking of, oh, 
this I have this problem, I have that problem, this is bothering me, that is bothering me. But when you can stop doing that and, and you think more of others, um, you'll become purified, plus others will get benefit from your service. So it's all around win-win. So tapa is very important, this selfless service. Really, if you have to use an English um, equivalent, we could use service for it, although the, the Sanskrit word for service would be seva, but still, selfless service is the way to practice this tapa, to purify your, your mind and to um, overcome the ego. Basically, that's really what the yogic path is about, is really to overcome the, the, the small ego that we have. And when that small ego disappears, then you identify with something bigger than that, which is the real self. And that's really what Dharma is, to attain that, that real self. Now, another thing which is, is part of this process of becoming a purified person, a better person, is called swadhyaya. Swadhyaya means self-study. Um, it means to, to read the spiritual texts, Shastra, scriptures. Shastra means that which liberates through discipline. So to, to, real, to read and assimilate, really, to, really, it's more than rote memorization, but it really means to assimilate the inner spirit of what is in that book. So what book should we read then? You know, not just any book, but we should read the books of, of the enlightened ones. Um, that's, that's what really is, scripture is. So those, those scriptures, those, those um, writings, they liberate us. They liberate us. And, that, and so that's why one part of the, the path is to, to refresh your, your memory of, of, of you know, what is the right thing to do and what we should do and what is the path. Which way are we going to go? So, so that's what Swadhyaya is. And you should get some of those books that will help you. And you should immerse yourself in them and become one, though, with, with your, the meaning. That's it's more. You know, many people say, yeah, I read the Bible 10 times, 100 times. It doesn't matter if you read it 100 times. Some people put it under their bed when they sleep. No, that's not going to do it. Road memorization or, or just put it next to your head, not going to work. You have to assimilate the meaning of it. And then the last part of the, um, the niyama, sadhana, and this is word for the self-purification, is called Ishvara, Ishvara Pranidhana. Ishvara means the controller of the universe. I mean, like God, you can say. Although, you know, God is a very, uh, is a big topic. We can discuss all the different meanings and, of God and the words that are used for it. But right now, let's call it the controller of the universe. And pranidhana means really, means to take shelter. So we take shelter. That's really our abode. Like someone said, where do you live? And you say, um, I'm in Urbana, Illinois. I'm in Urbana, Illinois. But where's that? That's it. Urbana is a city in Illinois. Where's Illinois? It's in the United States. Where's the United States? It's in the Northern Hemisphere. Where's the Northern Hemisphere? It's in the Earth. Where's the Earth? It's in the solar system. Where's the solar system? You see, it goes on and on. It's in the universe. Where's the universe? It's in that supreme consciousness. So that's where, that's the final abode, the ultimate abode. 
And so Ishvara Pranidhana means to take shelter in that abode. But how are you going to do that? How are you going to do it? Because this is a practical thing. All of these like steps that I mentioned about how to um, how to become clean or to, how to become content or, or how to do service for others, or even how to study the things that you do. So how are we going to um, take that shelter in that final abode, our ultimate home where we're supposed to live? And the way to do that is um, through meditation. That's what med- another word for meditation is Ishvara Pranidhana. Ishvara Pranidhana. So when you do meditation, what do you do? You close your eyes and you bring your mind to that inner place, a quiet place, and you direct it towards that Supreme One. So that's striving to be part of that Supreme One. That's Ishvara Pranidhana. Ishvara Pranidhana. So, in summary, that if you would, if you could surround yourself, it could be even if you had, you know, like we used to say, these utopian communities. Yeah, but if you had, if you had those, let's say you had twenty-five people, but if they all followed, if they, everybody followed that, it, you would have a, like a mini paradise. But we don't want a mini paradise on this earth. It's this is a big planet, and so even if you and your family are very good people, but around you. Um, the people are not following um, these principles. And when people don't follow them, you know what happens? Not that they go to hell, you know, it's not like you're punished by damnation. But what happens is really they degenerate and they become less than human. And and sometimes you know that when, when people um, act more like animals, we say that guy is like a beast, you know, and they people be, can become beasts. So we don't want to become like beasts. But when you live in a society where, where there's a lot of people who are, are degenerated or, or are not living up to their, what they could be doing, then it becomes very difficult. So to create the paradise on the earth, in fact, that's what's alluded to in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, what people read, you know, and Krishna said, um, when Dharma has been degraded, I come, I, I bring myself forward from age to age to help good people. So we want that. We want to help all the good people of this world. And when a good amount of the people of this world follow this, the jama, sadhana, um, self-control, and when they follow the niyama of purification, when people follow these things, what happens? You know, we say that when humanity expands, it becomes godly. Humanity expanded is is godliness. So we become like gods. And that's what we want. If we had that kind of society all around us, the earth is a paradise. You don't have to go escape to any other place, any other loka, any other planet, any other imaginary world. The paradise will be here on this earth. Now, the way to do that, it starts first with each one of us, no doubt. And then we have to build a society that is conducive to Dharma. Maybe the education system will change. Maybe the mass media will change. 
it's not so difficult to, to lead people, to show people the proper path. But it starts with each one of us. So this is my, my humble prescription. If we want this ideal society, the society which is like paradise, then we have to put the nose to the grindstone and follow this jama and niyama, follow this yogic principles of conduct, and then um, we'll be on our way. So that's all I want to say. If you like this um, content, um, please, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll give us a, um, you can give a thumbs up, give a good comment. If you're listening on any other platform, you know, like um, the podcast platforms also, you can give it a review, subscribe, and come back for more. But this is Ananda Marga Dharma Cast, and you can see all the back episodes at our website, dharmacast, D-H-A-R-M-A-C-A-S-T dot com. And you can, you can see dharmacast.com, and you can get see all the back episodes. Also, if you go on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, they have also the back episodes there. So that's all I want to say for today, and um, I hope to see you again and be with you all again. And today I just want to conclude with Namaskar. This is the yoga greeting. It means I salute you with my mind and all my heart, all the cordiality of my heart, all the love and cordiality of my heart, with my mind and with my heart. I bid Namaskar to you. And we will see you again.